Welcome to the Peacock and Williamson NFL show, simulcasted on Locked On NFL for the very last time. You got to go out and subscribe to the new Peacock and Williamson feed if you want to hear Matt and I ever again. Go do that right now. Tomorrow we are solo on the new Peacock and Williamson NFL show channel and the new Locked On NFL channel will kick off tomorrow with some division previews and you're going to want to still listen to Locked On NFL. I think it's going to be really cool. A lot of really smart uh, hosts here from the network get a chance to shine and come at you different days of the week. This episode is brought to you by NFL Game Pass. This season, get football on your time with NFL Game Pass. See all the action from every game with full game replays. You can also replay an entire game and catch all of the plays in just 45 minutes with condensed games. Go to NFL.com slash Game Pass to start your free trial today. NFL Game Pass, where football never stops. Brian Peacock at BD Peacock on Twitter. Matt is a must-follow at Williamson NFL. This is Twitter Thursday, which we're not going to have very many more Twitter Thursdays, Matt, but we are going to have a new feature on Peacock and Williamson, uh, numerous new features that we'll get into, but a little two-minute warning where on Tuesdays we go through your questions team-specific and try to hit as many teams around the league and cover what's going on weekly in the NFL. I think it's going to be a fun segment. Yeah, exciting stuff. I I want to... Real quick, I wanted to uh, wish my son, Michael, a happy birthday. Today's his birthday. Oh, happy birthday, and Michael. A couple hours ago, I went to uh, the iTunes review for Peacock and Williamson, and I was very impressed. The practice squad is doing very nice work of rating and reviewing. I, I am impressed. Very nicely done. Keep spreading the word, if you would. And so, yeah, exciting stuff for us right now. And with the season one week away. Absolutely. Yeah. Shout out. Let's read a couple of these. Actually love the show. Amazing show with great league wide coverage. Pete Carroll should retire to Cliff Kingsbury's desert getaway and raise his illegitimate son, Sean McVay. That is a very weird five star review for the Peacock and Williamson (laughs) show, but a little insight into the minds of some of our listeners out there. That one made me chuckle. Made me chuckle. It's kind of fitting for a Twitter Thursday. You never know what you're going to get. <laughs> you do never know what you're going to get. There is some news out there. We're going to get into Leonard Fournette and his new team. But just breaking, which tends to happen, Matt, right when we're about to go on the air, something new happens. And there is a trade, another trade in the NFL. This time, according to Ian Rappaport's sources, the Jacksonville Jaguars have traded away safety Ronnie Harrison to the Cleveland Browns. Yeah, I mean, just more people leaving the Jags and total recall, you know, rehaul of the roster and presumably the culture and all that. They're going to be a pretty bad team and a really bad defense. But it's a little more noteworthy for the Browns in that yep. Cleveland's been hit pretty hard with their second and third level middle of the field defenders, off the ball linebackers, safeties. And Harrison's kind of a blend of the two. I mean, a traditional strong safety type. So it's somebody they could use, that's for sure. Yeah, for Jacksonville, obviously, the best thing they can do this season is earn the number one overall pick in the draft, right? Like that's So I I totally get what they're doing here, and I'm sure they're not going to get a ton in trade from Ronnie Harrison for the Browns. Makes a ton of sense. Unfortunately, Grant Delpit is going to be out for the year for them. Their uh, second-round draft pick at safety, so... Harrison plugs in there with Carl Joseph. You got Greedy Williams and Denzel Ward on the outside. Of course, you got Miles Garrett 
pass rushing for you. Olivier Vernon uh, hasn't been a huge pass rusher for them, but they have some talent on the defensive side of the ball. And maybe this is a case with the Cleveland Browns and a lot of teams. They're sort of the post-hype sleeper this year because everybody was in on Baker Mayfield, Jarvis Landry, Odell Beckham, the Cleveland Browns last year. They kind of faltered a little bit. Maybe there were just maybe everyone was a year late and they're a little bit of a post-hype sleeper are the Cleveland Browns in 2020. I have mixed feelings about them because I don't think the injuries and stuff you mentioned has treated them well on the defensive side of the ball. And I don't think they were particularly deep or trustworthy there, you know, to be very honest. You know, you know they lost Schobert and guys like that. And um, so I have some questions about their defense in the middle of the field. But I think that for the first time in a long time, I like their plan. Their, their offseason really correlates well with the hiring of Stefanski schematically as well as the development of Baker, which we know is ultra important. But I also have some mixed feelings if Baker's the answer or not. I mean, I think he is short and struggles to see the field, and I think he puts the ball in harm's way sometimes as a result far too much. And, you know, I think this scheme, at least on paper, with, you know, double tights and two new tackles and all that, and Chubb should flourish, it sounds great, but it's a lot of change for an organization that's always under change in a short amount of time. And that was what worries me is I think there's a chance that the Browns look disjointed with a new head coach and a new system and get better as the season goes on. And then next year we're saying, wow, maybe they're going to be a real player. But I, I can see why there's some excitement too. Yeah, the continuity worries me a little bit in the fact that it's a first-year head coach because you don't. It, mm-hmm. it could come together very quickly. It could maybe take another year there. And there were some whispers that maybe Baker Mayfield wasn't in the best shape. You know, reading his own press clippings last year, maybe came in a little more focused this year. I don't know. And you've talked about this before, and I think it's a great point. Stefanski, you know, West Coast offense guy, X's and O's, it's fine, but is he a leader of men? And those are the things we just don't know about a brand new head coach, and and that could go a lot of ways in Cleveland. But talent-wise, this team should play a lot better last year, and I think they're going to be a little bit more well-coached, even if it doesn't all come together all at once. But when it arrives, we've seen with teams, it arrives quickly. It does, you know, but... They're, they're not the deepest team out there. You know, like they just named Higgins their third receiver, and he's fine, but they don't have a lot outside of those guys. Um, again, I, I really do have mixed feelings. I, I like the direction. It's been my favorite offseason they've had in a while. You know, last year it got all the hype. They added Odell, and now they're going to be a Super Bowl contender. And I was like, whoa, I don't know about that. <laughs> but again, I mean, the, the experience of the head coach you, know, you look around the division, Tomlin, Harbaugh. I mean, there's a lot of been there, done it with those guys, and the Browns don't have that at all. A lot of two tights, though. So I'm not oh, even yeah. sure if Higgins is going to see the field that much. You got Hooper, you got Njoku, Harrison yep. Bryant, the fourth round tight end. I've read has had a really good camp for Cleveland. So um, that's probably what the offense is going to look like. And of course, we've got um, running backs that can they can do a lot, I think, because Nick Chubb's a stud. I, I love Nick Chubb. And then Kareem Hunt's a, a really good player for a backup, like one of the best backup running backs in the league. You split him out, he can do a lot of things as a receiver as well. So they have a, a ton of pass they catchers and, and plenty to go there in the passing game and the running game. And obviously you mentioned Jedrick Wills at left tackle now that they drafted in the top 10, and Jack Conklin comes in at right tackle. So a lot to like, but a lot has to come together as well. Yeah, a lot of moving parts. I mean, I don't like a lot of change in the offensive line. And Wills was my favorite tackle in this draft, but 
he's got a, he's never played left tackle, you know, let alone at the NFL level. So we shall see. But um, I, I can see why there's some optimism. Let's take some questions. Let's talk Leonard Fournette and his new home in Tampa. And I have a great nugget here from George Shahuri from Pro Football Focus comparing actually the running back we just talked about, Nick Chubb and Leonard Fournette coming up on Peacock and Williamson. This season, get football on your time with NFL Game Pass. You can catch every snap from every game with full game replays and see all of the plays in just 45 minutes with condensed games, which are awesome. I love the condensed games. You can catch the entire Sunday's worth of games. You can relive all the gutsy calls, crazy catches, wild comebacks, and breakout stars from every game every week. It's all the action, all the football you can handle all in one place. And NFL Game Pass is the only place you can replay every game all season long. You'll also learn from the league's best players with over 40 NFL Game Pass film session episodes. Go inside the game from a player's perspective as they break down the game's concepts and techniques. Learn from the best like Deshaun Watson, Stephon Gilmore, Devontae Adams, and many more. NFL Game Pass also provides access to the entire NFL Films archive. Go to NFL.com slash Game Pass to start your free trial today. NFL Game Pass, where football never stops. I love this one. And look, Leonard Fournette's a good player. I think it's a good get for Tampa. And they have LaShawn McCoy, and you've got the rookie running back, and you've got uh, Ronald Jones still. So, you know, they have bodies there. They should be able to have whatever running game they need, I think, in Tampa. And obviously, it all is going to revolve around the passing game. And the short passing game could be the running game for Tom Brady, as has been the case for a lot of his career. You know, death by 10,000 paper cuts. Here's a, here's a stat, though, that I love that should... You know, like Leonard Fournette, it's not that same guy that we saw at LSU wearing single digits and breaking off, you know, 90-yard runs or even his early days as a Jacksonville Jaguar. And I still like Leonard Fournette enough for, for what Tampa had to give up to get him, and I think it was a good fit for them to, 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 be able to, to be able to add Leonard Fournette. Here's a great one, though. So Leonard Fournette, yards per carry last year, 4.0. Nick Chubb, yards per carry, after contact 4.0 that stat blew me away so yeah Nick Chubb after contact got as many yards per carry as Leonard Fournette in total that's great and it's funny you mentioned those two because Jonathan Taylor was always lumped in well he's like a Fournette Chubb type guy doesn't catch a lot of passes big bruiser very fast good combine guy and I heard that very often from draft analysts and good draft analysts. And maybe even I you know, said those words too. But Chubb and Fournette aren't close anymore. <laughs> right. know, they, yeah. they just aren't. I get I mean, stylistically Fournette, where those comparisons come from. And, they're big and but, fast. But yeah. right now today, I mean, they're, they're completely in different stratospheres right now. And that, that's what yeah. – and I actually want to talk a little bit about our dynasty draft here because that's a, that's a perfect okay. segue to that conversation. But the shelf life for running backs is so short. Leonard Fournette, best running back on the planet. Amazing. Top five pick. A couple of years later, it's like, eh, you know, he's in his mid 20s. He's like, eh, he's kind of done. Maybe. I don't know what, you know, he's not, right. he's, I mean, he had, take he, him or leave him. I, right. I, I, I want to step back a little bit from that. He was a thousand yard rusher last year, and obviously, four yards per carry is not bad in the NFL. So I'm not crushing Leonard Fournette. He's not terrible or anything like that. A lot of ankle issues and some injuries, and, you know, who knows, locker room wise and off the field. He's still a pretty good player, but it's just, you don't build around. A running back for that very reason, because look at the career path for Leonard Fournette. Right. And he's actually a really good example, especially in that draft class 
why you don't use that early pick on him too. I mean, there was so much else available because he doesn't influence the passing yeah. game enough. And yes, I know he had caught a lot of passes last year, but he's not close. Or, or I mean, I, I don't think he's still a good receiving back or ever will be. And let alone, you know, the, the McCaffrey's and guys like that that got drafted around him. Um, I think he could be successful for Tampa, but you know, it's not a ringing endorsement for Ronald Jones or Vaughn that you brought in McCoy. That was a red flag to me. And then you make this move. That's kind of the way I take it is I don't think they're happy with any of the guys that were there. So there was a ton of questions in our mailbag in our Twitter Thursday about Leonard Fournette. So I want to make sure we talked about that early and covered some of those questions. Uh, do you just really quick, do you like the move Fournette in Tampa? Do you think it's a great fit? Do you think it's something that, that really helps them or is it just like, yeah, okay. They added another running back, but they weren't going to be bad there anyway. I mentioned he's not Chubb. And one of the things about him is I don't think he's run with the same vigor, aggressiveness. He, he used to be the hammer and now he's the nail. And I think maybe that's because he's getting up in age and doesn't have the juice he used to and his ankles bother him or, and, or I just don't like being a Jaguar and I don't like football as much. And now I'm in Tampa and Tom's yelling at me and I'm going to run through a wall for him. So, you know, a culture change certainly could help anyone and certainly someone that has had success and is talented like him. So we'll see. I'm excited to see how he runs and if he sustains it throughout the year, because Brady's always had the Vereen and Ridley, the blunt and white, you know, where he has two running backs that walk in the running back meeting room, but they're not at all similar. And Fournette is the blunt or the Ridley, you know, the hammer type, yep. but he's nope. been the nail too much lately. That's a great point there. Um, did you see, I have to mention this too. <laughs> I mean, the Jacksonville Jaguar and mindset is huge. Culture change is huge. And maybe that is going to make a big difference for Leonard Fournette out of Jacksonville with all that's gone on in Jacksonville and players that want out responding on Instagram to a live feed of Leonard Fournette yesterday, rookie first rounder cornerback CJ Henderson hasn't even played for the Jaguars yet. Hasn't played a down. He said, free me in a response to, (laughs) did you see this? No, I don't know if you're looking way too much into this, but he responded, quote, free me to a live feed of, I mean, come on. He hasn't even played yet and he already wants out of Jacksonville. I don't know wow. if that's true or not, but uh, that's, I mean, that's not a good look if, if it is the case. No. Wow. That's all I can say about that. It's, I mean, <laughs> he wasn't even there for mini camp and stuff. He's only, I mean, he's only been at the yeah. facility a couple of weeks. It's, I mean, and here's the thing. So that's where. I understand what Jacksonville's doing. Everybody get everybody out because it's a toxic situation. If guys are bad mouthing the organization and the team and the coaching staff in the locker room, that can spread quickly. A rookie comes in, here's all these veterans talking bad about the situation. Now he has that immediate outlook. Right. And I get that. And I understand to some degree tanking and starting from scratch and what Miami and Cleveland did in the past and, you know, get all kinds of draft picks and draft capital and build the thing totally. Well, first of all, the, 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 the new coach probably is, is going to say thank you and he'll build it in his, you know, you're going to get fired and taking that regard. But if that's what the owner wants, you do it anyway. But my big thing with it is, you know, and I go back to the Steelers, you know, like Cam Hayward and Marquise Pouncey and David DeCastro are the leaders in the locker room. Like, where do you get those guys that are homegrown, 
that learned from the generation before them. You know, yeah, you can bring in a Kyle Van Noy in in Miami, and that might help. But there's something to be said for the guy that you drafted that's in his eighth year that has three kids at home that is a professional and, you know, is the hammer in your locker room. Yeah, and passes that knowledge down rather than guys right. that are disgruntled and want out passing that vibe down. It's a, it's a big deal in Jacksonville. So we'll see. I mean, I don't think it's a tank job. They're just trying to clean house a little bit, and I think it's going to be a, a complete rebuild there and probably new coaching staff, and I don't see how uh, Dave Caldwell, the GM, stays either. But right, right. anyway, uh, I want to move away from the Jacksonville Jaguars. You mentioned Jonathan Taylor and some of his comparisons a little bit ago. And Philip Rivers actually said he reminds him of his old running back, Michael Turner, which I thought was interesting. And again, that similar oh, style one. of back. And he, he's a former pro bowler, too. And yeah, top end speed can hit a home run for you. Yeah. Not a lot of wiggle. Um, but Jonathan Taylor ended up he was on a better player. Than people remember that. Yeah. Turner was yeah good player. When I first saw that, I was like, yeah, I, I hope he's better. But then it was like, yeah, yeah, he's a pro bowler. I mean, you can't forget it wasn't. Man. And again, another running back that it wasn't a, a long peak or anything, but it was a pretty high peak. Yeah, I mean, he was a, a first-round fantasy pick for a couple of years there. You mm-hmm. know, I mean, that you don't remember him as, you know, I thought he was a say Ladanian Tomlinson or somebody, which he would not remind me of. But the, if he has a Turner-like career, that's not bad. Um, I, I think he has a higher ceiling than that. I think he's a little more physically imposing, a little more impressive, you know, a little more Nick Chubb in terms of generating, you know, uh, yards after contact with both wiggle, speed, moves, vision, all those things. But Michael Turner is not a bad comparison at all. I mean, I'm sure Rivers meant it as a compliment and he'd know well. Do you buy into, and this happens a lot, and I'm guilty of it sometimes because he's a Wisconsin running back and how some have faltered in the NFL. Do you, does that creep in your mind at all? A little. I, I, I hate that, though. I mean, like that is, to me, that's the 70-year-old scout that's been doing it too long, that's got a cigar and he's a little overweight and grumpy and, you know, and just says... <laughs> You can't draft those Penn State running backs or, you know, those Wisconsin running backs or linebackers from this school. They're always bad. And I'm like, well, you know, just because the guy you drafted in 1978 didn't work out doesn't mean this guy won't. Jonathan Taylor, by the way, is on Team Peacock in the Locked On Dynasty Ooh, tell me more. Yeah, so the slow draft. You wanted me to remind you about how the draft is going. So three rounds are down right now on Team Peacock, and I surprised myself a little bit, but I took a page out of your playbook. When you talked about draft strategy earlier this week and talked about if you're drafting, say, 11, and you can use that knowledge of the team that's 12 because you know what they have and they're going to go back to back, and that happened for me in the round two to three turn, because I'm picking second in this draft. It's a two-quarterback dynasty league, for those of you who didn't hear that show earlier in the week, but you're going to want to listen. So Patrick Mahomes ended up on Team Peacock in this two-quarterback dynasty league. When it came back around to me in the second round, Jonathan Taylor was on the board, J.K. Dobbins was on the board, there's a ton of wide receivers still left, and my strategy was always going to be to wait on wide receiver, even though I can start three plus a flex. And I think I'll really be attacking wide receivers, but it's a deep position in the middle of rounds. I feel fine about that. But I was thinking, OK, I would like to get George Kittle maybe in round three. But Taylor and Dobbins are still on the board. And I knew that Tyler, who was drafting number one overall, had already drafted a running back. I knew he wasn't going to go running back, running back, running back. So I thought, you know yeah, what? Right. I'm going to go Kittle here because I know I'm going to have my choice of either Taylor or Dobbins coming around. He actually went Dobbins is who I expected to get. So I ended up with Jonathan Taylor. So using that knowledge, I would have gone Taylor anyways and ended up maybe 
with Kittle getting Maybe stolen Kittle, right in front know. of me. Right. So I use that knowledge to actually yeah. go off of my board knowing that I would get a running back coming around. So your strategy definitely worked there, being in front of the person on the turn. That's a really strong start. I mean, you know better than anyone. I don't think Kittle's anywhere close to the end. It may only get better. I actually heard a Kittle stat today. I think it's pro football focus that he averaged more yards per route run. I mean, so think about that. It's not going to be a huge number. There's mm-hmm. a lot of routes going to get the ball than anyone in the league last year, yep. you know, including wide receivers and deep threats. I mean, that that's a Gronk like stat. Um, I love him. I think that's great. I think getting Jonathan Taylor in that spot is really good value. I mean, in non in, in dynasty leagues where there's not two quarterbacks, he's a top 15 type pick. You know, I mean, he's super valuable, great offensive line. Mack will be out of his way before you know it. Uh, I love that start, but two little nuggets for you. I wonder what your second quarterback's going to look like because you got a, a, a long wait again, and I'm sure that they're going quick. And I'll fill you in the other one after that. I'm just okay. curious. Are you, are you worried? I'm not worried because surprisingly in this league, and I don't know if nobody's really panicking because of the two quarterback thing, but only five quarterbacks have gone so far. And I was really tempted ah. instead of Kittle or Taylor, or instead of Kittle to go Deshaun Watson because I, I figured Tyler would be going quarterback there and he'd be kicking himself. But I was like, man, I can't go quarterback, quarterback to start this off. And he did go Deshaun Watson with uh, J.K. Dobbins on the turn and came back to me. If, if Watson was still there, I probably would have still gone Watson. Um, so, I, or sorry, six quarterbacks are now off the board. So I, okay. I feel really good about my second quarterback position. So I, I think I can wait on that for a while. And with Patrick Mahomes being my number one, I think players like, you know, Tom Brady and and Ben Roethlisberger, who are closer to the end, will be around They'll super wait. late. And I'll be able to grab yeah. them and have really two solid starters and then worry about a younger quarterback later. So that's my strategy right now. I don't know if that's Matt Williamson approved or not. I think I like it, but I could also smell a run coming. And that's why yeah. you don't like to pick on the end. You know, like it wouldn't shock me if when you pick again, 10 quarterbacks are off the board. Yes. You know you know how those runs start, and you're just sitting there helpless at two going, ah, and now I'm stuck <laughs> with Phillip Rivers, you know, and he's right. a retired year or two, you know. But you can always draft the guy next year, too, or whatever. The other thing I was going to suggest, because I wanted to bring this up yesterday and I forgot, one of my favorite Dynasty startup moves, and my co-host on Dynasty Blueprint, Ryan McDowell, is really big on this, is when you – are you guys allowed to trade and move around the board? We are allowed. There haven't been any draft trades yet. We are allowed. Okay. But that's the best time to move back and around and pick up a future first in a rookie draft. People are someone, one of your 11 opponents will think, boy, I'm going to win it this year. I'm going to go get that, that guy that's going to get that extra starter. And then you grab his first round pick in a rookie draft. That's a, it's an optimal time. If you're talking trades with people to, Hey, I'll move down 16 spots send me your first in the rookie draft next year. And that's, I always try to leave a, a startup draft with an extra first round pick for the future. Okay. I'm going to float that idea out there before the other 10 <laughs> uh, managers listen. in this yeah. league, listen to this podcast and hear that strategy. So um, yeah, you might yeah. want to be on that. Just don't release this for a while. Okay, yeah. There you go. Yeah. Maybe I'll hold on to this pod for another <laughs> extra hour and then try to get a trade done. Uh, all right. Edit we, that part out and we'll play it Monday or something. <laughs> I love it. More <laughs> Peacock and Williamson coming up. Your questions to finish up the show today. Here we go. A couple questions that tie in. Well, first of all, this one from Matt Derry, who's the host of Locked on Lions. He says, good luck, fellas, on the new podcast, 
Thoughts on the Lions? Playoff team, maybe? And that ties into a question from Mark, who said, History says almost every year, at least, one last place team wins the division the next year. Rank Miami, LA, Cincinnati, Jacksonville, Washington, Arizona, Detroit, and Carolina in the order of the team most likely to win it this year. And I love those questions. And to answer Matt's question, I know you're a big fan of Detroit this year and maybe even put a little scratch on them with some big odds to win the NFC North. I did. And I like their chances. I'm not sure they'd be my pick in the North. Like if you said gun to your head, who are you going to pick to win that division? I might take Minnesota. I probably would take Minnesota after they traded for Nandakwe. I think that's a really good move for living for today. But if you're going to give me 800 to one or whatever, I, I did put some bucks on the Lions. So they would be the one that I'm most excited about. A team like the Chargers would be high on the list, but Kansas City's in their division. Like they're yeah. not going to win the division. I mean, they need Mahomes injury to win their division, and that might not even do it. So that's a tough list, and it's a tough list every year. I mean, right now, your Niners would have qualified, right? I mean, and they did it. I mean, history shows it happens all the time, but I can't picture it in the AFC East. I can't picture it in the AFC North. Absolutely can't think it's going to be the Jags. It can't be Jacksonville. It can't be Washington, right? Um, Detroit has an opportunity. Arizona, I think I would pick, but they have the toughest division can they right. beat all three teams? I think they can be better, but can they knock off the Rams and the Niners and the Seahawks? I mean, I, that's a lot to ask. Maybe Miami. How about Miami as a dark Maybe. horse? They Maybe. showed some signs. They added a ton of talent in the offseason. They got a good young quarterback. They got an old veteran, maybe some Fitz magic there. Um, I don't like the pass rush, but Miami really buffaloes the team roster-wise that is the best in that division. Obviously, Bill Belichick's an opponent there. I, I might rank... And the Chargers, like you mentioned it, Kansas City's in the division. So the Chargers and Arizona would be the best teams, but have maybe the toughest task to win their divisions. So maybe Detroit, Miami. Um, I can't pick Cincinnati. I can't pick Jacksonville. Can't pick Washington. Carolina. I I like Carolina as a super dark horse, but they would need a lot. I mean, their that's defense, just, I think, should be the worst in the league. I mean, they've, yeah. I like their defensive line. I think their defensive line is going to be fine. Can that? Yeah. Can that help some of the ills on the back end? That that's the big question there, and it probably not enough. See, I might take Carolina to win the division next year. I, I think yeah. they're a distant fourth though this year. But I mean, I, I think the the building process there is totally irrelevant for this year. Just start building something. Arizona, if Kyler is an MVP type guy. Maybe, you Mm -hmm. know what I mean? Like if Tua comes in and has a really strong year, maybe that doesn't even have to happen in that division. You know I mean? Uh, The Bills flounder and they're eight and eight and Miami beats them head to head and gets in at nine and seven or tied at eight and eight Mm -hmm. with the, 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 the tiebreaker or something. I guess that's possible. I certainly wouldn't predict it. But I can envision a scenario where they coach him up and the Dolphins get to eight or nine wins, maybe get a bounce or two that goes their way. This also ties in, actually. Joshua says, do the Dolphins have a better roster top to bottom than the Patriots? I probably lean toward yes. Me too. You know what's crazy? You could say, could does this team fill in the blank have a better roster than the Patriots? And I'm almost <laughs> always going to say yes. Well, you have them pretty low in your power rankings, and that's giving them an extra bump for Bill Belichick, right? 
Right. I mean, that's just, I think he'll make them a good football team, but I think their roster is really bad. Um, and actually, I'm, lo- I'm scrolling my Twitter timeline right now. I saw a stat that I just re- cut and pasted. The Patriots return a league low 44.7% of their defensive snaps from last year. That's horrible. Oh, wow. Yeah. And that's what they're good at. I mean, I know the secondary is still good, but the defense was awesome. And well less than half their snaps from that really good defense return. It's bad. That's very bad. That is not yeah, a, right. That is right. Not a good sign. <laughs> There's no way around it. Coach them up all you want, but there's not good football players in their front seven. Steve wants to know, with Kamara still fighting for McCaffrey-type money, which other running back outperforms him across the board this year, and why is it Joe Mixon? It could be Mixon. I mean, I hope no one's listening. I picked 10th in my fantasy draft, and I'm kind of keeping my fingers crossed that I get Mixon. I don't think I will. I think Mixon's up for a huge year. But, I mean, some of this is just so fantasy correlated. The only three backs I take ahead of Kamara are McCaffrey, Saquon, and Zeke. Yeah. I mean, I think Kamara's a monster. And I'm not positive who five is. It's either Cook or Henry, but I think Kamara's squarely number four. So, yeah, could Miles Sanders or Edwards Hilaire or someone like that blow up and be a top five picks next year? Some young guy that's really getting an opportunity. Without question, that happens every year. But Kamara's a monster. I mean, he's a great, great player. Right, and even if a team was to trade for him, and it, I don't think that's going to happen, and I love Kamara in New Orleans, if a team traded for him, they'd be giving up tons of money and tons of draft capital. They're going to use the heck out of him, so that's not necessarily the worst thing either. Right, I, I 100% agree. Let's let's finish this up with the, the running back conversation. This was from Justin, and you would know this better than anyone James Conner is being drafted later in fantasy drafts. What can we expect from him this year with a healthy Big Ben? Do we see a few years ago, Conner? I think so. Um, I mean, even the greatest Steeler optimist that I am worries about the, the durability. I mean, he's clearly the man here. He's a good receiver. He's good in protection. Tomlin absolutely wants a number one bell cow guy. That's how they're designed. And last year, if you watch the tape, I mean, there was a million men in the box just begging the Steeler quarterbacks to throw and they couldn't, you know, like there was no running room and he played hurt for a couple of those games when he shouldn't even have dressed, but he's as big an injury risk as there is in the league right now. And not that I'm, watching him hobble around or anything. He's in great shape. Everybody's raving about him, but he gets hurt all the time. Who's the handcuff there? That I didn't know, but it is, it's, it's pretty clearly Snell now. I I mean, they think Snell is the lesser younger version. He's come a long way in the passing game, works hard. He has some grinder to him. I'm really intrigued with McFarland, but that's probably a next year thing. All right, great stuff, Matt. Thank you for all the questions, everybody. And uh, maybe we'll have some overflow questions at some point. Uh, there's a lot of good ones yeah. that we did not get to as well. We'll have you covered with everything important that's happening in the NFL daily, as we will all season long, right back here tomorrow on Peacock and Williamson.